Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners podcast with uh, Matt and myself. Uh, <laughs> Matt, how are you doing this week? Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, yeah, Chad's not with us, uh, presumably not for any sort of life-changing surgery like I was, but yeah. uh, he's a little under the weather. Um, yeah, he can't talk. Basically. No. He, what is it, like a, a like swollen lymph node, yeah. I think he said? Which sounds painful. It is the the time of year for that. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's like a meme going around, because he has two two kids too, and there's a meme going around that's like, oh, I thought I had a good immune system. Turns out I was just, before I had kids, I was just really good at uh, avoiding people who would cough directly into my eyeballs. It's like, yeah, that's, uh, I felt that. Basically, you have kids, it's like, you're going to get some sort of virus uh, all the time. So maybe he's got something. Yeah, we are recording this um, at October 10th during what I would like to call the saddest wrestling war ever, which is like um, the Tuesday battle that is over. I think someone put it best, like this is a fight over like a million wrestling fans. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, I like AEW and I don't like WWE, but like, I don't care. Like, this is this is like the typical reactionary shit Triple H like pulls, but like, mm. I don't like who. Like WWE is going to win because they should win because they well, are in their normal time slot and they, they loaded it up with a bunch of talent. Like I, I just, and, and even, even if AEW beat them, I mean, I think it would be slightly funny, but I don't, I don't care. I don't care, but it, it's also like if, if AEW beats them, it's actually in the optics war. It's like a huge win. Uh, and some people are going like, they're going to get like WWE is going to destroy them, which it's like, I guess we'll see if that happens. I, I don't know what that would be. Like if AEW gets like 500,000 and the, the WWE gets like a million. I, they, I don't think, and, it, yeah, that's, I don't that's, think NXT's ever gotten a million on Tuesday. Has it? I think like when they've been saying, Oh, the ratings are doing so good lately, they're getting like 800,000 for well, like, another, a bunch of main roster people showing up. I did get a chuckle at uh, another the other Brad in our Discord, not you. Um, was like, oh, he called it. He dubbed the NXT WrestleMania, and that's yeah. kind of true because it's like they brought in Cody, they brought in John Cena, Paul Heyman, um, Undertaker. And it wasn't Undertaker supposed to make an appearance. Maybe. Oscar uh, was having a match. Uh, it, it's like they put everything. They've added every single thing. I think on Twitter, like Jake Cargill teased that she was going to appear. It's like. They've done everything but and the kitchen sink yeah. to win. Uh, and I think I, I think what it'll saying, be is hmm? I think it'll I think they will do 
910,000 viewers and AEW will do like 720,000 viewers. And that it'll be it'll be probable, like yeah. It's like oh that'll be the max of what NXT gets um for loading it up with stars on an off night and oh that's what AEW gets when they're not on their regular night. Like it's going to be dumb. It's going to be the Wednesday night wars where like there was all this like talk about it and hype and then like two weeks in like i mean and no one's ever really repeated it because it didn't fit the narrative but like we realized on this show within like a month that they didn't have the same audience when you looked at the demographics and stuff like they had a very narrow yeah split of like a hundred thousand people that um that that went back and forth because when they split apart Neither company really benefited that much from it. Okay, it's it's a situation where they throw like the WWE has has put so much tonight to in, and uh, and if they don't, it's really bad. But it's also like they th- they've done so much that it's it's almost like maybe who cares? But it's also like okay, if when then is it really like that? impressive because you literally threw guys like taker and Cody, who's like your biggest star like face star currently john cena who was like their hugest star of the last like 20 years he's been like their only star it's like the last i mean he's the only yeah he's the only guy that moves anything for them so i actually don't think this is about AEW for the wwe i actually think it's about mm optics because they're desperately trying to get raw and nxt a tv deal and i think what's going on is they're not getting near the money they um they want for it because this is the thing that kind of got glossed over is they they got booted off of network tv because they got way overpaid for it and usa paid a nice penny for smackdown but like eh, for, for what what like their TV deals have been going up. It's not a very good deal for mm-hmm. them, honestly. And they took that instead of Raw and NXT. So now Raw and NXT are out there and they're trying to get a deal for it. And I'm betting like they're getting more what those are worth. And mm-hmm. for them, that's going to look really bad because I think it's going to they're still going to get like a ton of money, but I don't think they're going to be like rolling in it like they were with the past TV deals. Yeah. Uh, it's a, uh, people can point to tonight and it is, I, I think part of this is like triple H and John Michaels. Like they, they especially like triple H got just really butthurt that he lost the, the Wednesday night wars. So he's, he wants to front load this and get a big, like, I don't know like optic victory that 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 his which means nothing brand, because he lost the actual war yeah it means nothing it means nothing but if you have uh been paying attention to nxt over the last few weeks uh even though i don't really watch it as as i've said before i'm like such a wrestling nerd that i at least i'll always like follow wrestling it, if even if i like go through people where i don't actively like watch wrestling people, i people I follow wrestling there's this mm-hmm. weird AstroTurf campaign going on where people pretend like WWE programming's good now. Where, like, you know Raw sucked if it's getting, like, a 7 on cage match because enough bad ratings came in to, like, outweigh, like, the bots and the AstroTurfers that give everything, like, a 10. But, yeah. like, 
um people like talk about nxt like it's good and i've seen some of the worst like shit i've ever seen like on nxt the last couple years well well last couple years but the last like two three months they like nxt's numbers have gone up like a, a pretty good amount to the point where they're essentially like rivaling uh AEW or in some weeks doing better than AEW on Wednesday that then AEW does on Wednesdays. But it's because if you actually look at the roster or, or if you follow like a breakdown of what happened on the shows, it's like, Oh, it's a uh, Dominic Mysterio. Oh, it's Becky Lynch. Oh, it's uh, Mustafa Ali. It's like, it's all just main roster people who they brought back. Yeah. Oh, look, new to... day, new days come back. New days come back and won the tag titles. It's like, they're, 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 they're it's right. Like they're, this is what yeah. they always did with SmackDown when a TV deal was coming mm-hmm. around. They would actually give a shit about it for about four mm-hmm. months to pump the ratings up so they could get a better TV deal. Yeah. And then they'd go back to not caring. Yeah. Uh, generally, though, I, I agree with you that I well, ever since they changed from basically NXT black and gold, it's I, I felt it's like dramatically dropped out even before then kind of. You could probably pinpoint to when I'd have to I'd actually have to go back and look at the timeline as to when like certain guys probably left or got called up to the main roster, but it probably was at least since they began like the Carrion Cross like reign of death. There's, there's been several reigns of death in the WWE. Carrion Cross his reign of death was in NXT. Um, I would say that was probably I would say yeah. the the third Gargano Champa match is when it jumped the shark. And I would say when it visibly got worse is when they did the they did that Gargano Cole rematch in a cage or something that had like literally I think eighty five super kicks over a forty five minute match. I, I I've given the criticism before that people even going back to like NXT Black and Gold. And if you want to go further than that, like further than that, you'd have to be like, well, NXT is good because of like Dusty Rhodes, because that was when he was alive and like booking things and spearheading and with Ryan it. Ward. But, yeah, uh, but when it when it became like NXT Black and Gold, as they call it, under Triple H, people always raved about like, oh, it's so great. And it's like, yeah, there there actually was legitimately good wrestling. Like I I went to some of those takeovers mm-hmm. and they were it was great, but it was great. It was great for. I'd really argue that it was great because the actual workers who was like, who were basically the best indie workers out there. And so they were some of the best workers in the business for that period were just putting on fantastic matches. And the storylines weren't like overly complex and, and pretty much they just let the workers go out there and do their thing and, and not get management didn't get in the way or they didn't overbook things too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once they kind of started straying from that, then it kind of went downhill. But the, the thing that it, well, but it's also like that's not really Triple H. Like, I don't give Triple H the benefit of being like, oh, NXT is so great because of him. It's like, uh, I mean, the best you could say at that point, it's like he wasn't, he didn't get his fingers too hot to like too much in the pie. He just kind of let the workers. But that's really like it's so good because like the workers are good. You're like doing the reason why I, I almost feel like AEW took off. Is because to an extent it was like basically Triple H just like ripped off PWG, mm-hmm. like the PW, the indie promotion, and took a bunch of their talent. 
And basically, once NXT started sliding, it wasn't as good as like the the classic era, the PWG, where like you know you're you're having your main event be like Kevin Steen versus or Kevin Owens against uh, El Generico, aka uh, Sami Zayn. Like when once you're having like that sort of thing, that you would just basically see like headline uh, a PWG show back in the day. Once it's straight from that, then it started getting into like Gargano and Ciampa, which I like, but then it just became like the whole masturbatory. Let's have the, let's have our main event be like 45 it minutes. It turned into, it turned with into every 800, takeover. 850, yeah, 850 near falls. Yeah. It turned into every takeover. They were coming out at 915 for the main event every single time. Yeah. And I feel like it started getting into that. And that's partly why like people just, just went to, to AEW because it's like some of those like classic like quote unquote dream matches that you would see like they did a lot of that stuff in AEW when it began and they still kind of do dream matches and everything uh but it kind of like I felt it more captured the feel uh it's all ironic because I mean one of the biggest stars in AEW right now is Adam Cole but I do feel they've reigned some of the excess with Adam Cole in well I think I think the thing the problem well, NXT versus AEW is NXT, even when it was good, but even like with Undisputed Era, they weren't using those mm-hmm. guys necessarily to their full potential. And like Adam Cole and NXT was like a super watered down version of himself. And honestly, like I'm not a big Adam Cole guy. I've liked what they've done with him lately, but like as soon as he went back to as soon as he went to AEW, like, I didn't really care about him until he started the MJF stuff, but he was more interesting almost instantaneously because he could mm-hmm. have more personality and kind of, like, wasn't hamstrung. Well, he's better with the Bucks. But he wasn't hamstrung by, like, you know, the WWE way of doing things. Mm-hmm. There's a There's a great video. I wish I had, like, the clip. There's a a great video of friend of the show Damian Gonzalez. Oh. This was after this is after like the Raw uh, in New York. So that's like 2019. After the, after WrestleMania in New York in 2019, and they always they went through the whole uh, you know they had this thing for a while in WWE where it's like oh they're gonna call people up from NXT after Mania. And the raw after, that's when you're going to see them debut. It's going it, to, you're basically like, you're starting over your your new season of WWE after Mania. Because, uh, you know, ostensibly you're ending storylines in WrestleMania. You're like wrapping some stuff up. So you're going to have new talent debut. And everyone I remember, I was, I didn't even stay for that raw. Like, we, my, my wife and I went to Mania and then headed home like the next day. We like didn't go to that raw, but, but, Friends of the show, Chris and, and Christy Petrillo and Damien Gonzalez, like they both went, and everyone, uh, including all the observer group that we had seen the show with, everyone thought that the Undisputed Era was going to be called up and that they were going to do, they were going to be on Raw. There was, that was going to be like, you know, the new big faction that was going to debut, and it, it's going to be like months of Undisputed Era, but with like the main roster talent. Never did. Like, it was, I think, like, the big thing was, like, maybe, like, a New Day versus The Bar. It's like So, like, Cesaro and Sheamus match. I think that was, like, the big match that they had that. Yeah. Their classic video afterwards of Damien eating, a, oh, he's eating a hot dog 
ranting, ranting about how like the the Undisputed Era should have debuted, and he utters a classic line: "No one cares about the bar." <laughs> it's like they did they dropped the ball with them know, so badly. I know the Fed heads really don't give a shit about wrestling, and most of them aren't even really WWE fans. They just like want to shit on AEW, but. Those people that, like, want AEW to go out of business, do they remember, like, how dire it was from, like, 2015 to 2019? There's, I feel, a certain number of people who they 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 just drink the Kool-Aid. They just don't perceive any other wrestling as legitimate. And so it's like... You could be like, they're... all right, well, I don't care. I don't like. I don't want to watch it. Then I, I, I like this one product, but there's an odd thing where it's become like incredibly tribal. Where it's like, if you're not part of what I like, then you don't have a right to exist. Like you shouldn't exist. And think... it's like that. I don't get at all. I think. Um. I think they're part of the problem, but I think. I think the biggest proponent of it is like the Jim Cornette crowd that are just mad that there are gays in their wrestling now. And I think like, that's like a big part of like the AEW hate. Mm. So, I mean, it's hard to say, but I think that's a big proponent of, I think the fed heads are there and they're really annoying, but I actually don't think they're the biggest part of the problem. And like, I think the thing is like the, the online WWE fan, I don't think is like, the their actual like who watches the show i think the people who actually watch the show are older people that are watching because they've watched for like 40 years and that's yeah. wrestling to them and if you presented them with aew like they just wouldn't give a shit because that's not like their wrestling and i don't think those people go online and like shit on aew because like to them it's just that's not rest. That's not their wrestling, so they don't care. Like they don't, they don't have like some hatred of it or anything. They're just like, eh, whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. They, some of them are just like annoying. I think I'm, I'm actually like really annoying. I find almost the entire. I actually, um, there's some days I actually hate that we do a wrestling podcast because I've grown to like just despise the entire online wrestling community almost to, to every last person. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of like content farming, there's a lot of like outrage farming. Some people just say some things just to get people riled up because it, it gooses engagement. Uh, and that's what, so like, that's what all those old guys that crap on AEW or take like a half story and like pump it up because there's money to be made doing it. That's like that's like all it is because then you get you get someone who doesn't actually give like a crap like Kevin Nash who just wants to talk and like he's positive sometimes and other times he's not positive. Mm-hmm. You know, based on what they deserve. But like when they, you know, for all the all the things about punk and all like the pearl clutching when they, when he, when, when they're talking about, it, he's like, you had to fire him. Like, you can't have a guy doing that. And I'm like, Oh, that's mm-hmm. actually refreshing that he's a human being. Yeah. But, um, I did want to, I did want to comment though, that, uh, Tony storm has quickly become my favorite thing in wrestling. Oh my God. Uh, there have been people who to talk about the internet community, online internet wrestling community, 
there are people that are complaining about this gimmick and everything. It's like, oh, it takes me out of it. Like, I don't find it serious at all. It's like Tony Storm arguably has never been more over than she is right now because how can you, how can you not like someone? Look, how can you look, not she's like a good someone? Worker. How can you not like someone mm. that's gonna chop someone on the outside and says, "Give me them titties." Give me them titties. The way she said, it. so she's doing what? I, I, this is like an old. It's basically a gimmick. She's kind of doing Marilyn uh, of like, Monroe. Ah, uh, she's she's trying to look like uh, Marilyn Monroe, I think. But let me look it up. Hold on. Uh, I guess the attitude, the way she's talking, everything like that. It's it's obviously it's like a throwback to old school. Hollywood, yeah, like from the 1930s and 40s. Um, uh, apparently, oh, okay, she is allegedly doing kind of like a, a one-off of the character Norma Desmond, who was uh, in the movie. She was the antagonist of Billy Wilder's 1950 film Sunset Boulevard, which I've never, uh, okay. I've, I've seen never it. seen. But in that, uh, I think she played like a like a former silent movie actress she was a washed had, up act, actress yeah washed up and then i guess i've not seen the film so i don't I just like literally like what it's, i it's heard um, about it it's old but it's it's a good movie like there's a reason i think it's a it's, classic like yeah, yeah there's a reason it's a classic but i guess she's doing kind of like a take on that but it's it's obviously it's like a it's a, it's, a, it's supposed to be like an old timey type of actress but yeah she's and and obviously she she's presenting as like she's slightly unhinged because i mean her makeup her, uh, last week her or most recently like last week or two her her like lipstick was smeared she's been doing interviews in this character and then Gary with either renee or yeah but she's been doing like interviews with uh with either renee or lexi nair and then afterwards, like she'll go off camera, and then you'll see she just like throws she throws her shoe at him. It's like it's wildly over the top, and it's it's played for comedy. She's a great worker, she so mol- it, she, it's she, like she manages to molest every opponent in some way. Because I think she bit uh, uh, Kira Hogan on the ass this. Oh yeah, Saturday. Uh, she. I guess she. I haven't seen it because I'm always perpetually behind on on AEW any wrestling content that I need to watch. But she, I guess, wrestled uh, Sky Blue and. It's like she's like down on her knees. Like it's, it's like, okay, she's gotten injured. She's not down on her knees. She's trying to fight her way up. And so she grabs on a sky blue and she just makes sure to grab a gra- as a, as a legend, <laughs> a junkyard dog used to say, grab them cakes. She just grabs some cake. <laughs> she yeah, was, sky uh, blue, sky blue sold that, sold it, that she did it too. So like it was, yeah. yeah. The best though was like a week ago when you had Tony storm, uh, against, uh, Oh shit! Who did who she face? Who who she face? What? I don't think it was Sky. What was it? Sky Blue? Which? When she was like, when she when she chopped her on the. Oh yeah, that was Sky Blue. Oh sorry. Oh sorry. I, same match. Because I she chopped her on the tits. Because I had to. I gave Sky Blue a lot of credit because if that would have been me, I would have lost my shit. Like oh, I would have. I would have corpse, as they said. Like yeah. I would have just broke. I would have broke character. I would just like. You would not have been able to. I would not have been able to contain like my smile because, and my laughter. She just Taz and Delirious and Tony didn't weren't able to no sell it. Yeah, it was great, Clark. She like threw her and then she just like stared off and like into looked at the crowd and it's like, let's do a titty slap and it's like, <laughs> Excalibur's like what? <laughs> and then that's when you got the give me them titties, huh? And it's yeah. like. <laughs> 
I was that. It's like I can't believe that they. It was in picture in picture, but supposedly they mistimed it and the titty slap got on. Oh. TV. Uh, that's by as an aside. Like I know, I know again the the very WWE or Fed minded as as people call it, the the Fed drones. Love to say it's like oh it's like they always try to intimate that the network is uh, unhappy with the ratings or they don't they don't care about AEW or Tony Khan. It's like uh, apparently. I'm not watching it live, but apparently the network gave Tony Con- Tony Khan Dynamite like <coughs> 30 minutes or more ad free. And it's like, dude, it's like they wouldn't they wouldn't bend over backwards doing this stuff if they didn't care. That's the like thing they're, that, that's they're the thing quite that, happy. That's the thing that bothers me with the online wrestling fan base. Well, hmm. the, the other thing I, that I hate about the AEW thing is then you have people that bitch about every AEW card because they don't give away everything on every single card. But then you have people claiming they're going to burn all of Edge's programs in like in like three months because they they like hot shot their booking. And I'm like, like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, like Tony Khan almost like to his detriment doesn't burn his programs as much as he could. Mm-hmm. Like if this was WWE, like Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega would have wrestled each other 5000 times by now. Oh, it would have been there would have been gimmick matches and everything like that. You, yeah, you'd just be like sick of it by the end. And you're talking about a company where the Bucks and FTR have only wrestled like four times. Mm. Like it, it's just I don't know. But like people don't people don't pay attention and they don't like facts getting in the way of their narrative. But when like all that Warner Discovery stuff was happening last year, like the only thing they talked positively of was AEW. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. They always, I guess, uh, Meltzer was talking because the collision got like a uh, low rating. And then Meltzer like actually chimed in on Twitter. He, he burst, he had to go and burst some balloons on Twitter. Where he's basically like, yeah, like it, yeah, it got a low rating. And it still did better than everything with sports. Like it got the highest rating over anything else on cable, except for, like college football, like one college football game and like two other things. And that was going up against, uh, I think, uh, the, the WWE pay-per-view, right? Fastlane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it again, it, I think, I think, I mean, obviously AEW has, uh, well, Meltzer has a lot to say about like, oh, it's, it's a cold promotion, which I would dispute maybe in some regards, but I would say, I mean, it's still doing well. It's still, I mean, they had, Again, people like oh AEW like like on uh, uh, Death Store essentially, and it's like in the last like six weeks they ran like three paper eight maybe eight weeks like they ran three pay per views. Like the average buys, if you average all those, well, if you total all the buys from all of them, it's like four hundred thousand buys for those pay per views in the last like eight weeks, like in a ridiculously short amount of span. My like my they have big beef with Dave when he says that stuff is. I would say, yeah, they are kind of cold right now, but I also think, like, I attribute it mostly to growing pains. I think almost any wrestling promotion in that, like, three- to five-year window is going to hit a cold period because, um, like, all of that, like, new ener- like new car energy, like, um, like, the honeymoon period's over, you know, you've had some booking mistakes, 
And um, yeah, like I think they are, but I think that's I think that's a natural growing phase of a wrestling promotion. It's always like a cycle. Like the pendulum has kind of swung back more to the WWE, but and they're trying as hard as possible to like squander all of that momentum. Yeah, I I just don't I don't see it sustaining because I feel I feel like at every turn they're not giving the fans what they want and. You can only do that like you can't you can't um, you can't give the fans what they don't want for 11 months of the year and then just give them a couple of like bones at WrestleMania every year. Mm-hmm. And especially if they do this rock and Roman thing, like I don't know where they go after that, because then they're going to want to take Roman to another WrestleMania. They, the bloodline stuff is like beyond played out and yeah. there are people there are people that are like grumbling that it was already like and this was like months ago i think they've kind of just i think WWE has kind of distracted stuff by having to focus almost be more like on judgment day but they even screwed uh, that up though because people are mad that they people were and i mean i don't know if i agree with them on that aspect in a greater booking sense, I don't agree with what they did, but like um, having a makeshift face team, like get a, get the tag titles off of like the big bad stable isn't bad enough itself, but I don't know how like Cody and Jey Uso made like any sense. And that, uh, that was wildly unpopular from like the, the narrative I've seen around it. Well, the the avenue of attack that I've seen people give is like, well, why take the titles off like Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn? Like, what was the point of that? Just to have them like Judgment Day lose in short fashion to a makeshift face tag team. Yep, and they jobbed Sami and Kevin to Cody and Jay on. Man, they really. Oh, oh last night on Raw. Yeah. I. I... Again, I don't really watch. Man, they really I only squandered. Have... They really. I feel. I feel really bad for Sammy because mm. that's that's when when Meltzer talks about how WWE is gonna thinks they can sign up young talent. Like they they are not the destination they think they used to be. But like people see things like what Sammy spent the last year doing and how he got nothing for it. Like he got no recognition. He didn't get a pat on the back in the media and now they've like made sure to try and get all that heat on to people they actually care about. Yeah. They should, they should be thanking him because the reason that the bloodline story, which again, I feel it's like it's, I personally feel like it's played out and it's on fumes. I I don't know how they're, they're continuing it on, uh, especially when Roman is like gone for at least six months out of the year. Uh, I don't know how they're doing it. Like it, it's it's so played out, but to the extent that they have allowed it to continue, or it's still going on, you should think that Sami Zayn, because he he was the thing that injected like life into that, and they didn't have him beat Roman. Uh, and you could make the argument, well, can't have him beat Roman because a month later or so he's he's going to be facing Cody, and Cody's going to be the one. And it's like, okay, but then you didn't do, they didn't do Cody. So it's like, I don't feel like they will ever have the opportunity. I think at this point, like, I highly doubt that whoever does beat Roman, it's going to be like 
I'll say climactic. It's it's going to be anticlimactic in my opinion. It's that's just because I don't I don't care. I don't care. That's because nothing will happen to Roman. He'll still be like on top or whatever, or he'll get the belt back. It's going to be the Brock problem all over again. You don't. But what is he going to do? Like I don't. What's he going to do he's now? Though they gone don't... for he's gone for six months and. When that was happening with guys like Cena or even like Batista back in the day, it's like you would hear like, oh, yeah, they're filming a movie or like that. I haven't heard anything about him. No, that's part of his new deal. That's part of his new deal with less dates. That's insane. He's probably making like millions upon millions. And I'm guessing I'm guessing he's working less dates. And this is this is just me spitballing. I have no I think I think after the leukemia scare, he wanted to cut back. Just because it's probably it's probably easier on his immune system to travel less, and I think like he probably wanted more of his life back, um, having to stare that down again, and um, mm-hmm. that's that's just conjecture on my part. But th- well, that seems to be when he cut back on the dates, which I don't blame him for doing that. Like I would too, but I mean that's more on the company for then putting the belt on him for eternity. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Because they did the same thing with Brock. But Brock, I, I mean, well, I would, I would argue that there's, Brock can get away with that. Like he's done a lot of things that, I mean, he's legitimately like a, like a cross sports star. Like he's a bigger deal. Yeah, and he was a draw Roman. until he wasn't. After you know, until they had like run that into the ground really bad. Again, Dave Meltzer has like he's tried to politely, you know, tell people it's like he Roman is not he doesn't there are there are there are WWE diehards who I've seen him recently like argue till they're blue in the face that Roman's like a big star. And it's like, yeah, he's like a big star in the WWE and he has like zero penetration outside of it. And there was a good example, like back in like the, that Dave used. He was like back in the '90s, like Oscar De La Hoya did like a hundred times the media and and promotion and marketing that Roman did, and they did like a Q, like a Q. I think it's like a Q number, like based Pete, like the the general public's. It's like a social, public perception, like yeah, like there's like. there's social awareness of who you are and what you do, even if it's just like oh yeah. If like if I were to walk down the street and it's like, do you know Oscar De La Hoya? Maybe they don't know your life story, but they if they knew him, they'd be like, oh yeah, Oscar De La Hoya, like he, he's like a boxer. Like that's at least that. So in theory, if you're someone who like likes boxing or likes contact sports or things like that, if you know who he is, I could then go like, oh, did you know he has a big fight coming up this weekend? It's gonna be really good. You should buy it. You might be like, huh, okay, maybe. Like you may not know that that's happening because maybe you're not that diehard. Yeah. But you know enough about him that maybe it's like, huh. So that it that actually that that sort of rating matters. Like, and I think Dave said like, oh, his Q rating was like forty percent. So it's like maybe forty percent of the populace knows who you are, which is like, I'm a nobody. Like I do podcasts. It's like. 40% of the public doesn't know who I am, but they act like, oh, like everyone knows who Roman Reigns is. Like, no. Like, the last guy was like Cena. And I guess maybe you could think, since he's been now, he's probably known way more as like an actor, like Batista. Mm-hmm. 
people would know Batista because he was in he's in like some of the biggest films of the last like 15 20 years i don't know i don't know if people would know him as batista they would know him as drax but i don't even think i bet probably yeah i bet i bet of the people that know him from the marvel movies i bet if you pulled them 10 percent or less would know he was a wrestler yeah i would say a lot of people probably did not know yeah would not know but like where but these people that think roman's this huge star though like what has he even done that would like even make you think like he's some kind of like star like he he doesn't even have like and i mean this is a weird thing to draw on but he he doesn't even have like meme power like there's no like memes of him like even something like the bucks like super kicking the six-year-old like there's people that have seen that that aren't wrestling fans and they wouldn't know the bucks but they've seen it and like roman's never done anything that would make you think he's like a star mm-hmm. like nothing like he's not i don't think he i mean he's done a couple movies that he was like a nothing in but like i just th- these people that think he's a star it's like no he's not like like he's he maybe is in wrestling but like that's not that's a very very small niche thing that's getting smaller and smaller because wwe like killed it mm-hmm over like 20 years like because they're like oh he's a big draw like because he drew 2.5 million on on a a network television show for a title defense against matt riddle and it's like do you realize if this if they drew that number on the usa network seven years ago everyone would have been in complete panic mode that the company was like falling apart yeah Like, we're not that far removed. We're not even a decade removed from when they could pull 5 million people for a big show. The numbers, the ratings were were way, way, way better than they were, like, uh, well, like they were way, way, way better, like, three, four years ago. Like, double the numbers almost. Well, maybe not. But, I mean, they were there a lot higher, and that's when you had the infamous like the McMahons with Triple H come out and it's like, we've heard, we, we hear you. Like we need to do better. We need to change some things. And it's like, they, they've changed nothing. They've actually made things worse. And the ratings are like, they have half. I think they were still getting like 3 million people around when they did that. Yeah. They might've been dipping into the twos with raw, but like it definitely got a lot worse. Mm. And like, there's going to be attrition because TV does get less, viewers and people use that as a justification a lot but their rate of attrition is worse than anything else yeah because they have some years over years where they lost like 20 some percent of their audience and i think this year has been a little more flat but even with like them being hot they didn't really like grow the audience very much they just lost the less which i guess is i guess that's i guess slowing the rate of attrition would would matter a lot truth that's be told. a bad state of affairs though yeah no i agree but i mean i think that's television though um they're kind of like the comic book industry where they just they chased everyone away and now they're just them and aw are fighting over the scraps that's left yeah 
So anyway, we weren't we weren't gonna talk this much about that. So we're gonna we're gonna go into a quick thing. But <laughs> After we spent like 30, 30, 45 minutes talking about. I'm just, oh. I'm just I've I've just been growing tired of it all. Like, like this Tuesday we, night thing. Like people are talking about. It. It's like they're literally fighting over like nothing. They're fighting over nothing. Like both companies, they're fighting over nothing. Yeah. But it's a big story. Yeah. I mean, I I personally love we all I think we all still love wrestling, but uh, if people who actually notice that's like we will talk about modern stuff, but if we're actually like reviewing stuff, it's largely like old school stuff. Cuz I think that's there's a certain a lot of stuff there's a certain like timeless quality to it. And it's just not as it's not as tiresome as like a lot of the more recent stuff. Yeah, and I don't like um like WWE, like whenever we t- we review the stuff, there's always something horribly wrong with it. And honestly, like, um, AEW's fine to talk about, but it's just like I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't want to be an AEW podcast. That's kind of like part of it. Yeah. Because that generally would be, that would be our promotion of choice. But I've said on here a lot, like I have a lot of issues with how they book the promotion. Mm-hmm. especially the last year. And I just don't like, I just, I would rather do old stuff because we can find stuff we like regardless of promotion. Like we can pick a WWE show out. We're going to like, so yeah. So anyway, we were going to talk about horror today. Yeah. Uh, we're going to do a different thing when Chad was uh, available, but we changed it up. We're going to talk about horror, which makes sense because it's October. I love Halloween. Halloween, a lot of people love, say like Christmas. Oh, Christmas is my favorite holiday. Not me. I love Halloween. <laughs> I love the spooky stuff. I love horror movies. I love dressing up in costumes. I love the candy. I love it all. Like it, it's it's my favorite time of the year. Christmas is uh, kind of Christmas is kind of stressful when you're an adult, and especially if um. Not to to spill much info, but it's also kind of hard when um, you're an adult and maybe your relationship with your parents has uh, deteriorated over the last five to seven years over various Uh, things. My parents are deceased, uh, which is sad, but it's also like I almost have outside of like an uncle that lives like in Georgia, like many states away. I have no relationship with the rest of my family. And that's not a bad thing. Like, I actually have enjoyed my holidays more <laughs> since, uh, I think I would. Since uh, basically I've just adopted my wife's family, or my wife's family has taken me, uh, under their wing. Uh, it's, it's, it's less stressful. It's exactly I, like you said. It stresses, it's, uh, like, it, I, it stresses me the fuck out. Like, I, I can think, imagine you're, you're still kind of in it. But well, yeah, I think, it's like, <laughs> I think. I think I'm not going to go too deep into it. I think it wouldn't have been so bad if I had siblings and like the, the, the last five years could have been like dispersed out amongst like two or three people instead of all on me. But like, yeah, um, I, I don't, I'm not, this is like my least favorite time of year after Halloween because then I have to go into the holidays and it's a whole, like, it's just a whole like cauldron of bad. Mm hmm. And like I really don't talk about because people get really weird. Like if you if you have a bad relationship with your parents because they're like, well you you know you have to do this and that. And it's like no no I don't like 
Like, I'm good. Thanks for your terrible, terrible advice. Yeah. It's like, I have to do what, like, makes me not go... That'll keep me out of the loony bin. So, I'm sorry to say. Like, your advice is bad. And you should feel bad. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so we were going to talk about... um, So, I don't know about you, but so October for me is usually, like a lot of horror movies and usually I pick like something to focus on. So like last year I watched like all the Friday the 13th. I don't really have time to watch, like go through a series, but that that's an interesting concept. You see, you watch the Friday the 13th. I've seen, I feel like I've seen every single one of them over time. They're kind of, they kind of all blend together after a while. Like it's not a, bad series and it kind of it kind of there's some funny things about it like how every movie sequentially has more violence more nudity and bigger boobs so <laughs> like but like they like if you asked me to differentiate them like a year later I could tell you like the difference between the first like four and then mm-hmm. it just and then like the one where he's in space but then it's all like it's the same thing after that. Same. Well, that's that's like the criticism I have of a lot of these like slashers that happen like in the eighties and I guess the nineties. Well, the franchise at least that it like the first one or two are kind of unique and interesting. They're doing something different. They're obviously introducing a new character, yeah. new slasher character. But then it becomes it it almost just becomes like a parody of itself. It's like let's cheaply make a film and the whole point is like how many like funny unique deaths can we like throw in or, there like or oh, if it's oh, like oh, freddy um, krueger is gonna like turn a guy into like a pinball machine and then like kill him that way and it's like, like spin on that bitch yeah it's like, yeah it's which is sad yeah, because I, like well like we'll go like the first nightmare on elm street is a great movie it's like a very mm-hmm. terrifying movie and freddy is like a terrifying creature and then by the time you get to like the fourth movie it's all about like him killing someone and getting off like a one-liner yeah that's what i'm talking about it's like you take it's like a flanderization of of like these characters it's like they start off really cool and unique and interesting and then it's just like they're kind of like basically like comedy parodies of themselves by the end of the the franchise like the later films and I've actually told my, I've told my wife, like I've had this discussion with my wife. It's like, even like to modern day, uh, I was like, what film came out recently? I think like the nun, something came out. I think it was the nun. It, like it's part of the conjuring universe it's obviously they've done another nun movie, but it horror movies are basically like always profitable. Like always, like if you, if that's what you want to do, if you like want to break into Hollywood, but you you can't become like the next like you know Steven Spielberg. Don't be too proud to make like a horror movie because if you like make horror movies, they will sell. Like you, you the Nun. I think I looked it up. I think the the one that came out was made for I believe like maybe like ten million. So let's say they spent the rule of thumb was always like oh you could, you have to spend like double do you do spend double the amount in marketing. It's like you yeah you have so, to make like two point five. Two and a half times what you spent, like what the production budget is. 
Okay, so the, the production budget is like ten million. So you two to two like, well, would that be? So is it two point five on top of the production? So if you spent like let's say you made, let's say you made a mil like a, you you spent a, a million dollars on a movie, you would have mm-hmm. to make two point five million to break even. Oh, I see. So it's basically it's it's one and a half for the marketing. So yeah. that well plus the no production. it's. it's so it's it's oh to break double, even it, yeah so it's double it's double um it's double for the production budget but then the the point five comes in because you don't get to keep all the box office the theaters get their cut of yeah it. and so I see um, yeah so that's why it's two point five anyway the nun two I think I looked it up it's the nun two I looked it up I, I believe it was like ten ten million to make the film. I just I'm 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 on box office mojo right now. Worldwide, two hundred and forty nine million. Like it's gonna make like two two fifty by the time it's out of That's gonna beat indie. Uh, probably. I mean, it, for a movie that even if you you follow that calculation you just threw out, it's like let's say it, it's let's say you need like thirty thirty five million to break even. It is wildly blew past that for a movie that. I mean, again, it's not like a it's not like this. People like 20 years from now, like you may remember the nun, but no, no one's beating down the door to like, oh, the nun. But it made money. Didn't the Meg? Didn't the Meg Two uh, roll yeah. in this year? Actually, I was going to bring that up. The Meg Two, which is the dumb like sequel to Meg, which I believe was originally like a book or a book series, but it stars Jason Statham. It's a dumb like giant creature movie. It's a shark movie, isn't it? Yeah, it's a shark movie. Looking it up on Box Office Mojo, it made like four hundred million. Yeah, three hundred and ninety-four. Uh, basically, I'm rounding up because it's like literally it's under ten thousand to reach this number, but it's three hundred ninety-five million dollars worldwide. And that's just like it, it's made that money just in the box office. Once it starts going to like streaming services or DVDs, Blu-rays, stuff like that, I'm sure it's going to be like even more money. Once we, it gets like on. To- we reviewed Cocaine Bear. It made money. It made money. It's like you you can make money doing these films. I actually like I was so I was this is like maybe mean of me, but I was tracking that film Meg Two versus Indiana Jones. And let me tell you something: Indiana Jones, most recent Indiana Jones that was released this year, Dial of Destiny, it did not make three hundred ninety five million dollars worldwide. So it, it, it and, lost, and I think it costs it, it costs like substantially more money than Meg Two to make. Oh, it caught they spent. We don't even know what it costs, but there's been there's been numbers thrown around like it cost four hundred million to make. That's insane. Yes, because like um, that's my thing. Like when Little Mermaid came out, uh, Indiana Jones made three hundred eighty-three million. But like when Little Mermaid came out, it made something like six hundred million dollars worldwide. I think it made a little more than that, and it lost money. It lost a lot of money because they spent so much making it. It's insane to me that they they spend so much money making these films. Yeah. Some of these films, like it's, but that's what I'm getting at. Horror films, like if you make a horror film, you are almost guaranteed that you will make money on that. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't even have to be like a great movie. It just has to be somewhat decent, and you will make money. Like you probably make a lot of money, and they will get they who studio executives will be like if you if 
some people have like you know arrogance and, and they they want to get up in like their airs about like oh i don't want to be seen as a horror movie director if i was if i was like a hollywood filmmaker i'd be like shit make me a Holly- make me a horror movie i'll direct every i'll be west crazy and i'll be the new john carpenter yeah like but- pay me like i'll have a net worth of like a hundred million dollars because the stupid horror movie i made for like five million made like 200 million dollars at the box office but look at and um, you're gonna keep at, giving me work look at um look at cocaine bear though because we reviewed that they didn't spend yeah. a lot of money on that i know you didn't care that much for it but like i didn't hate it but it was like but like yeah. they had they got decent actors for it some people you knew mm. um they they kind of tapped tv a lot for it which is fine and then they had a cgi bear but the bear looked pretty good like there wasn't anything in the movie that looked like particularly bad, and I think they spent like forty million on that. Like you can tell it's lower budget, but nothing looked bad. Mm-hmm. And like I just don't understand. Like some of these movies, like especially like the Marvel ones. Have you seen like the trailer for the Marvels? Like when she's flying in space, it looks like absolute garbage. Ah, uh, so I know you wanted to talk about practical effects versus. Uh... CGI. I will say this. I feel, I feel Disney, like at writ large, like Disney, especially with the Marvel stuff, has just been terrible with CGI. Like well, they, people, they, um, they, a lot of the Marvel movies now, they shoot them like in, like the entire movie's done on in a, like a green screen studio I, and like someone posted, I think, uh, like that behind the scenes or making of footage of like Ant-Man three, which I have not seen yet. It could be a great, could be a good movie. could be entertaining. And obviously the whole concept is that they're what in the quantum verse. They're like, they're essentially like hanging out. I don't, they didn't bring these in or mention them. I don't think, but it's like, it's where like the micronauts live down in like the quantum realm. (laughs) But they, they were, that's okay. Like you're, you have like this alien environment essentially. So you're going to get a green screen, the background, but they showed the behind the scenes and it was just everything was green. They're just on a set that everything is green because everything is CGI. And the and, thing is, like, you can the thing I've noticed with when they do that real heavy is like you can't fake um, space. Like you no. can do all this CGI stuff and like have this like sprawling vista. But your eye knows like when they start moving around and like doing stuff, it's like, oh, you have them in this giant room and they're trying to move around in an eight by eight area. They're obviously in a little room and the rest of this is like fake. Mm-hmm. Like, so I think I think there's a lot of stuff with CGI that like they haven't figured out like that the human eye can knows isn't like real. It. it... I've seen clips of like Thor Love and Thunder. I have not seen that yet, but that's oh, it's terrible. that's kind of yeah, that's kind of notoriously people have complained about that how just how bad CGI is there. Yeah. Um I think I think that's kind of like a mini rant about how like Marvel or Disney Disney Marvel yeah. is really like terrible. I uh I haven't outside of like Mandalorian, I haven't seen a ton of like Star Wars recent Star Wars stuff to know if that's Ahsoka went over like going. a wet fart pretty much. Well, maybe it, in terms of like the story and everything like that, I don't know if the CGI is bad. I know I did see a clip. I did see a clip of like like Ahsoka, and I think who are the other characters? Ezra and Sabine are two yeah. of the other characters. I, I Hera. I don't know. I, never, I don't know the rebels. 
stuff. I, I never watched the Rebel stuff. I, I watched like two seasons of Clone Wars cartoon back in the day. It's, like, it's yet not another that it, Disney not property, that though, that like the Marvels is going to be where like to understand what's going on on this live action show, you have to have watched like all that other shit to have any idea of who these people I, I, are. I, I care. don't have I, I can't. I don't have time. I don't like and I, I don't want to like. I mean, I don't want to do that. Like, I, I don't have time for that. I think that that's a bad way to run things. Just then, you know what? Have the Marvels just be on Disney Plus. Well, like the Marvels, you have to watch like you have to watch Miss Marvel. You have to watch um, whatever Secret Invasion. And you have to have watched like something else to even know who these other characters are. And it's like you can't make movies and expect it to do well when people have to do homework. Like you have to make each movie has to be self-contained in a certain way. It's, I think it's a bad idea to be asking that. And I don't, I've actually, I was weird things I think about, but I was actually thinking about this the other day. It's like, I understand that in today's day and age, because I remember like timeline wise, it was like late 2019 uh, is when they were going to debut Disney Plus. It So it debuted like late 2019 or early 2020. It, it debuted, I think, like, no, it debuted in like November of like 2019, just in time for like COVID. To, uh, I, I signed up because my daughter, my, my eldest daughter was born in november 2019 and i'm like oh like we're gonna have a baby we're gonna be at home with the baby let me sign it for disney plus so like i have like content to watch uh so i signed up for it uh so that's that's how i know like oh the timeline wise that's when it started and then COVID hit so i feel in a sense it made a certain kind of logic to be like oh well we'll uh I mean, they obviously some of the stuff had to have been in the pipes the pipeline for a while because you don't just like, unless it's like a reality show necessarily, <laughs> you don't just like have to drop a hat be like, oh shit, let's do a let's do a like uh, Hawkeye TV show. It's like no, you've been planning that for like a couple of years probably. But point is, like, it made sense to be like, well, COVID hit, these movies aren't really going to be in theaters, no, or at least no one's going to go watch them. So let's focus on doing the streaming services and we'll have we always plan to have streaming TV shows to get people to buy the service. So let's really focus on them. And it makes sense. It all makes sense. But it really hasn't panned out. And I also think it's like Disney seems to be worse than others at just just wringing blood from a stone, trying to get the maximum profit. Yeah. But to the point, I feel like they are they're they're just strangling the no, franchises. I would I would argue the TV shows for Marvel largely devalued it as a brand because most of the TV shows have not been good. It started like audience burnout, and then like the movies have this assumption that you're watching these TV shows, and when you're expected so to bad. watch everything, like then you start just burning. I, I agree. I agree with you. Like they 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 are taking that attitude. It's like, well, you should have seen all this stuff. It's like I should not have to watch like five different shows to understand what's going on with this. And that's I mean, that's almost like a comic book 
like mega crossover type of mentality where it's like yeah. to understand what happens in this series you need to read like the other 50 tie-ins it's like no i don't want to do yeah, that and that's what killed the comic industry was was interrupting stuff for um because i think like i think when they did it right is when they did the netflix marvel shows which a lot of those were bad but i liked the idea like okay we're gonna have the movies for like your mainline characters and your big bad um big bad like you know cosmic level you know superhero stuff and then we're gonna do these tv shows with like street level lower stake things Mm -hmm. we wouldn't necessarily make a movie out of like that's when i think the tv shows worked regardless of quality uh to to digress and talk about those marvel netflix shows i generally think that they were bad yeah see like season one and two of daredevil was like okay season three of daredevil oddly i i, I will caveat i've not seen the either of the two punisher shows like, uh, those i like not i've not seen those the first season of the punisher i liked i haven't seen either so i can't tell you but season three of punisher i'm oh, no, sorry season three of daredevil i was my wife and i watched it and we were like stunned it's like why is this so damn good it's like it's good it's i would argue, i would argue it's legitimately like a good it, that the season three of daredevil was like a good show there's like one kind of filler episode but by like the, uh, that it's like no this is filler but at the end like something happens that it's like oh this move the, the plot line is actually it all ties together and then they did the whole defenders uh mini series of like six episodes which is actually pretty decent it wasn't great but it was i think i didn't, I mind, really I didn't mind watching it jessica jones got bad luke cage was okay for a while the the iron fist show was just downright awful though i didn't even like luke cage because i felt did that suffer they, uh, they killed okay, it they so killed we, like they killed the best character off way too yeah so. Uh, but so we we just were talking about how like the the marvel uh disney plus shows devalued the brand and wasn't as good the the thing that i will give them credit for that i think that they learned and i i think that a lot of series i i actually don't i don't necessarily give them credit for like oh they learned you know, I, I guess I shouldn't give them credit for the, that they learned. Maybe it's just something that's like a sign of the times. Like a lot of shows nowadays are like X number of episodes and they, they call it. But the whole back in the day, Netflix, we're going to give these series like 13 episodes was like a bad idea. Because like, for example, yeah. Luke Cage, like I struggled watching 13 episodes of the first season. I didn't bother with like, the second season. Like it was a slog. And that's a show that it's like, this should have been like eight episodes max. And nowadays you get like eight episodes of uh, WandaVision or something. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And I wish I was about to say like, oh, they learned something. It's like, maybe they didn't though. Cause my wife and I are halfway through uh, Wednesday on Netflix. Um, decent show. We're kind of enjoying it. Like eight episodes. Uh, I think they're doing a second season, but it's like first season, eight episodes. And it's like, okay yeah like you you're doing eight episodes like that's it like you you don't need to do more than this uh you're wrapping it up i think i appreciate that i don't need like i don't need 13 episodes of a show no and wednesday wednesday somehow managed to not fall into the netflix uh filler issue 
the thing that I actually appreciate about I this is like an I I don't know it's, I I hope this is like a real uh, story, but there was there's a story that uh, the main the, the actress with Jen Ortega yeah like she she's she uh, seems to be like I think she allegedly like doesn't have social media like she's not online. And her attitude is like, yeah, like, no, I'm not online. Like, it's social media is bad for you. But point is, like, she seems to, like, take the character to heart. And there's a story out there, it's whether like it's a true love or not. Letter. In my opinion, a lot of her mm-hmm. performance is like a love letter to um, Christina Ricci's take mm-hmm. on Wednesday. And, like, if you like the Tim Burton Adams Family movie, you'll like it. There's a this is the story that I heard. I hope it's true because if, if it is, I have a lot of, I've gained a lot of respect for her because it's something that I, I feel sorely lacking in Hollywood. It's like, you need to be like true to like the character, the source material. And she seemed to, if this story is true, take to that. There was supposed to be some sort of scene and there's a scene where she goes to like a dance. So maybe it's this scene, but the writers who I guess don't have like appreciation for the character of source materials allegedly were like, all right. So in this scene, you were like gushing about how you love this dress. And she allegedly was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And they're like, what, why? And it's like, that's not the character. The character would not be gushing over this. Like, that's not her character. Her character isn't to be like, I'm all now like a, a posh, pretty girl where it's like, Oh my God, the dress like squealing about it. She's, she wouldn't do that. She would just get the dress and like, it's obvious like subtly that she enjoys it, but it's not like, I'm going to suddenly turn from this like morose stoic character to a giddy schoolgirl. And I like that. Um, I like that she's allowed to have friends and it doesn't have to be like sexual in nature. Um, my God. So there are people online have tried to make it that way. They're like, Oh, like it's clear. This is like a lesbian coded relationship. And it's like, I've seen at no point is this, that way like if anything like there's two male characters in in the show only seen the first four episodes so i don't know how it plays out but there's two male characters that clearly have a romantic interest in her yeah and, and that part isn't that she, great either in all honesty well it's 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 what i wasn't expecting about the wednesday show was that it's essentially like a teen show but mm-hmm. like there's okay so I'll say it's a teen show. It's like if you Riverdale, the show that just concluded on like the CW, that's ostensibly like a teen show, but it's like, this is very not a teen show. It's like, it's ridiculously, it, it's at times ridiculously violent and like ridiculously like sexual. It's like, it's not a teen show, but this is a teen show. Like back in the day, like I, I or as a teenager, you could watch it and it's not offensive. Like there's no gratuitous sex or violence or things of it's, like, it's not like a young adult thing that's obviously um, aimed at middle-aged women that then incorporates yes. like inappropriate like sexual content. Yes. And I mean like, I mean like, I mean like themes. Not I'm not even talking about like sexuality or anything. I'm talking about like themes, like relationship themes that shouldn't be there for teens. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of like, or even it's like it's actually like a teen show, and yeah. it's it's bordering almost unwholesome. Like in terms of how it's it's not what you just described. I will say one thing I do like about Wednesday is um, mm-hmm. the characters aren't very one note. Like even what I would say is ostensibly like her antagonist within the school has like 
like a fairly um, deep like character arc in the show. You haven't gotten mm-hmm. to a lot of that yet, but and you probably haven't gotten to uh, Fester showing up, have you? No. Um, I well, the thing I like is that the the, the character that's clearly like the uh, not the main antagonist of the series, I imagine, but I mean the hurt rival, I guess, in the school is not. It's it's kind of more nuanced. It's like she's just a teenage girl who has the typical teenage girl things, where it's like this. A new, a newbie to my school. Like I feel like she's threatening me as the queen bee. Well, she's yeah, a, she she's may a, have like an interest a, in my love interest. So and she's a literal very, siren too. So I mean, some of some of her stuff is like her literal nature as like a living organism because she's yeah, a siren. Yeah, but I appreciate that it's like they're not, they're not. So many things I feel nowadays and like in content is, uh. What's there's like an old trope of it. It's like Anvilicious. It's like they like to beat your head over the, beat you over the head with. There's no subtlety anymore. It's just like them beat you over the head with what the point I think you should take away from this as. And it's like she's not that way. She's not. It's she's a complex character. It's not yeah. just like one note type of character. She has her own motivations. She clearly is motivated by certain things. She's conflicted about certain things. Not the least of which, as you said, is like her nature. And um, I, I have to say my biggest complaint about the show, though, is the casting of Gomez is just terrible. Oh, uh, what's it? What's that dude's name? I, I don't I can't remember his name because I was even saying, like, oh, God, I hope Matt can bail me out when I say Gomez. I, he's a he's a uh, I need, let me look this up. He's a famous like character actor. He's yeah. been in a million things. Um, I like him as a character actor, but I don't. He's not a good Gomez. I like I know, I know when when I was talking about it, Justin posted pictures of the original cartoon and Gomez is kind of dumpy, but like there's like a certain gravitas that like Gomez has. Uh, mm-hmm. Like uh, especially like especially if you're coming after like the Raul Julia um, mm-hmm. Gomez, it's just like fantastic. But my other problem, I told my I watched it with my wife and we we're watching that and I'm like like my biggest problem is like I don't believe for like five seconds that Catherine Zeta Jones would ever have sex with that guy. And it just like breaks yeah. the immersion. Luis Guzman. Yeah. That's uh, he's, he's Puerto Rican. He's been in a million things. He's most, I feel like he's most famous for um, being in like uh, Carlito's way back in the early nineties, oh, being yeah, yeah, yeah. in, being in like Boogie Nights, Magnolia with uh, that was directed by Paul uh, Thomas Anderson. Mm hmm. So he's been in like a bunch of stuff. He's sometimes he's like does like he's almost like a comedic actor. He does like serious stuff. Like he's I actually say he's, he's a good actor. I maybe I'd agree with you about how he's like a bad Gomez. It's like he's not so far in like the first four episodes. Not that he's not in it that much. No, the the, and the, I guess, the rest of the look, family's not in it much. Yeah, uh, I guess looking at the original, like the cartoon. Uh, they're not. It's not clearly ethnic, uh, so maybe like they were just trying to. Maybe they're trying to get around the fact that the actress, the main actress, is clearly like Latin. No, I thought. I mean, I I think, I think giving them an ethnic take was fine. Like I, I actually liked it. I actually liked it because, like, um. 
Well, I mean, they picked. I mean, the, the like Catherine Zeta Jones was a good Morticia. Um, mm-hmm. Pugsley was a little eh, and you know, not, I liked. Well, and the, from what I seen in the first four episodes, he's like he's not even really in it. Yeah, so I, and like Lurch was pretty good, and like the guy that does Fester is is really good. Uh, looking at Wikipedia, he's played. It's played by Fred Armiston, who. Uh, I actually feel his talent. He's he's been on like Saturday Night Live. He's uh. What's the show? I think it's on Netflix that he is really famous for. God, let me look it up. Uh, da, 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 da. Bojack Horseman. No, I, I've seen some of that. I didn't really care for it. I keep trying to tell myself I'm going to watch that, but it seems too try hard for me. Uh, he is. So this is like. A really. Hold on, let me look it up. Why I can't the name of this what was he in? oh portlandia that's what it was like oh, people yeah, yeah. love that show isn't um, tim isn't tim doesn't tim like that show a lot i don't know i think um, tim's made it, comments about portlandia I, I that's what it's on my to-do list but i think it's on netflix it was on like some other streaming services i feel uh he starred in a show that's that did two seasons on hbo max like six episode seasons are really quick called Los Espookies. And he played like a side, he was like a side character. He wasn't necessarily the main character. That's entirely done in Spanish. And it's kind of set in like Mexico. They do have sub English subtitles. So you could watch it. It's not bad. It's not great, but each episode is like 30 minutes. So if you literally, you can watch the entire series in like a day, if you have like a day to like kill, it's not terrible. It's actually like, somewhat amusing and it's kind of horror themed it's like supernatural themed but it's more present like it's not necessarily real supernatural stuff kind of is but kind of isn't it's more just like people who they're kind of obsessed at least like there's the characters are kind of like uh they're wacky characters it's a comedy he's my wife my wife loved it my wife loved the elosa spooky show because she like has she likes quirky comedy stuff and she as i've said before like she's like her family's like original. She's Latin. Like her family's Latin um, from Nicaragua, so she like speaks Spanish fluently. So she's like listening to it and like laughing along in Spanish, and I'm like having to read the subtitles to see what the joke is. But it's not bad. Hey, you know, I'm looking at I'm looking at images of the original cartoon, and I think you could I think you could argue they were they were like argue they're like vaguely vaguely ethnic, but that yeah. doesn't matter. It's like I don't know that. <laughs> I don't know that Luis Guzman is like in it enough for me to judge it. He's not good though. Like he just, you expect more. You expect like he's a, try. He seems like he's trying really hard to be just, like a certain way. He doesn't have, but like you have a certain expectation of Gomez, and that's like uber extrovert to the point of like making people uncomfortable and like boisterous and stuff. And he just he doesn't have like the charisma to do it. I mean, honestly, like it, people love Raul Julia, and I'm not saying he's bad, but it's like I actually think that the the quirky Gomez that uh, that John Aston did back in the original show like worked for me. Like Luis Guzman, again, I think he's been like in it. He's not in it enough from what I see in the first four episodes that I can be like, oh, he's terrible. But it's also like he's it's like you're trying real hard to be like the Latin heartthrob. Yeah. And it's it's not really working, 
but I also feel like you're you're in this not enough. You're in like a like a handful of scenes, so I, I can't say, but it's okay. I do think that that Jenna Ortega's Wednesday, like, I've enjoyed. Like I think she's doing a pretty good job. She's she's she like it takes a lot of inspiration from the Tim Burton movie, and I mm-hmm. do like that they cast Christina well, Ricci because that really shows that they. I, if if you say it takes a lot of inspiration for Tim Burton, there's a reason for that. That is like I saw that Tim Burton directed like half of the damn episodes. Of... Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in there that's like Tim Burton stuff. But they they also have Christina Ricci in there as a teacher too. By the way, this is a incredible. Uh, you know what? I it took me until like the fourth episode, and I was like, my I told my wife, it's like, oh my god, like this character is Christina Ricci. From... I know. I did the same thing. Because it doesn't look like her no. until like the fourth episode. There's a couple scenes where, uh, not that she's changed her look, but I guess she looks enough. There's enough where it's like, oh my god, it's Chris- you recognize her. It's Christina Ricci. The, the the red hair, I think, kind of hides her yeah. a bit. Uh, as an aside, uh, where you're like, oh, there's a lot of Tim Burton things in this uh show. Uh, I so I haven't seen. I've only seen like a preview. But there is a movie that just got debuted on, on Netflix by Wes Anderson, and it is the most Wes Anderson film I've ever seen. <laughs> Have you? It's like Henry Sugar or something like that. That's the name. This I I'm completely digressing. But go on Netflix. Uh, it is like Henry Sugar. It stars uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, who has the best name in Hollywood. Yes. Or outside of Hollywood, but it's the most Wes Anderson. If you Go on YouTube, do Family Guy Wes Anderson, and they do like a parody, like a, a eight minute parody of Wes Anderson films. And it's like Wes Anderson saw this parody on Family Guy, and it's like, you know what? Fuck it, I'm just gonna make a movie about that. And it's like that's the, that's this film that it looks just like that. It's like the most. It's take the quirky Wes Anderson films you've seen or not, but if you've seen them like uh moonrise kingdom or something like that and it's like crank it up like a hundredfold and this is like this is it it's it, painfully wes anderson your story reminds me of um it's a vincent price story and it's kind of it's not about making a movie but so have you ever seen count Ducula? yes so you know how the narrator's kind of doing a vincent price impersonation mm-hmm. yes so i guess when that came out vincent price saw it and he got absolutely pissed at them because <laughs> not because they're making fun of him. He got mad at them because he's like, why didn't you just ask me? I would have done it for you. Oh, he's like, you're leaving. I, there's money on the table. Yeah. Why he, would you, you yeah. I love that. Well, there was something else. I don't remember the story now, but like they did something and they're making fun of him and they thought he was going to be mad. And he was mad because they like he would have like worked with them. Yeah. But, Leave money on the table. Yeah, so so for my um, October so far, I marathon watched all the Final Destination movies over the weekend, and um, it's my it's the last topic I want to touch on. So I I enjoyed those. Um, three and four were kind of crappy, but uh, five five and two were really good, and one was kind of okay. But then I watched um, the original Evil Dead oh, mm. Sunday night. And I was really taken with because um, Final Destination is very CGI heavy, and some of the deaths in that are hilarious. But I was really taken with Evil Dead. Obviously, you can tell they made it for like no money, mm-hmm. which works for itself. But 
the the practical effects really took me with that because they're obviously outdated and cheap but i'm like you know there's a real weight to this and some of like the demon possession stuff's kind of terrifying even though it's cheap looking evil dad the the initial film is straight up like it's flat out horror and really really actually like scary horror and it's and they're like the last 20 minutes is just um um bruce campbell getting sprayed in the face with blood and guts for like yeah. over and over again like there's a point it's it, and it's absolutely hilarious but there's like he's in the this basement and this pipes like rumbling like oh he's gonna get sprayed in the face with blood and he just gets mm-hmm. like sprayed in the face with like blood and entrails yeah it's it's a violent film it's gory it's scary yeah and uh, if, if evil... um if you haven't seen it and like things like sexual assault upset you don't watch it because there is tree rape in it it's it's fine it's it's a it's like a serious film it's not played for laughs evil no. dead 2 is i would still argue a horror film because it doesn't ha- it definitely has like horrific elements and it has like graphic and scary elements but it's it's also like it's edging more into comedy it's almost like a black comedy because like yeah. there's funny parts of it but it's still like violent scary well and i think uh, what makes evil dead also scary is mm-hmm. the way he shot it even when they're outside the way he shot it with like the fog and stuff it's claustrophobic mm-hmm. even when they're outdoors because yeah. he shoots everything like really tight on the people Mm-hmm. and it's always dark so like even like when they're outdoors it's claustrophobic and like they do the cabin in such a way that's claustrophobic i have not seen the remake that they did a few years ago the 2013 uh, one yeah i haven't either i've that's uh allegedly I believe, like a throwback i believe it's they didn't call the it one. I, I i believe they didn't call it a remake i believe they called it a reimagining yes um yeah they did and I haven't seen it, but I think it's well. Again, not not considering it a remake, it's kind of like a throwback to that original one. So it, it's more serious. It's it's gory. It's violent. Uh, I've not seen the one that just came out. Uh, Evil. I think it's Evil Dead Rising. Supposedly that's good, and it made a lot of money. Speaking about it's, horror making money, it's good, and I think that that's again. Uh, in the the kind of same vein that it's like serious, oh, even the rise is what it's called. It's violent, it's graphic and and like scary. Uh, uh, it did make a bunch of money, so it would not surprise me if they uh, do more of them. Army of Darkness is still my favorite of the Evil Dead's. Okay, looking at it, looks as April twenty twenty three, Bruce Campbell stated that he, Sam, and Ivan Raimi were planning a possible a possibility for future films every two or three years if the Evil Dead rises success, which it was. So, so I didn't realize I I had read up about this and I didn't realize that like Sam Raimi and like Bruce Campbell were like college buddies and they had like oh, yeah. a bunch of like student like you know like um, homemade movies together before they did this and this was like mm. Sam Raimi's like first um like full-length movie mm-hmm. and i have to say like it's really it's a really it's a really interesting movie and it does mood really well mm-hmm. and um i enjoyed it it's uh it's um like i said it's obviously on a budget but like the practical effects like there's just something about practical effects that are better than cgi 
yeah, we talked about the Marvel stuff. Uh, I was trying to talk to my wife because my wife, my wife and I, we've fortunately had like real life stuff this this month that we've not done it yet. To the point where my wife has promised me, it's like, well, maybe we'll push it into like November, even December if we have to. We try every October to watch. We try to do like eight horror films. Uh, and the reason we do that is my wife, like, ironically loves Halloween, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she hates horror films. So, like, she has a very vivid imagination. So we can watch, like, a mild horror film even. And she's like, I had nightmares. Like, it's terrible. Like, I was so scared. It's like, I'm desensitized to it. But I love horror films. Have like, you, I'll watch. Have you had her I, watch Psycho yet? No, I don't think she's ever seen that. We've Last, last year we watched uh texas the original texas chainsaw massacre oh that's a bad one for nightmares that one for if people have never seen it like that's actually like a legit it's i've seen so many horror movies it's like it's not scary per se and it's ironically nowhere near as gory as you would think it is no it's actually not gore it's barely gory like yeah but But like I, i would say my problems with the original are like the the protagonists that get killed are so unlikable that like you don't care that they get killed. And For he the most literally part, and he literally offs like half of them in like five minutes. Yeah, it's it's actually quick. But it's it's actually a much more disturbing film than you think about. It's like it's actually like because it's it, it almost has like an air of like real again, go, circling back to what we're talking about. It's like if you're watching like Friday the 13th five and Freddy is like or Friday 13th, like three. And it's like, I'm like, Freddy's using his magic powers to turn uh, the, he's using his victim. He's turning his victim into a cockroach. It's like, okay, well, this might be like a funny kill per se, but it's like, I'm scared by this. It's like a comedy, almost black comedy, but Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original one, like the early 1970s, it's like, it's actually like disturbing. We actually watched last year, the, the 2022 recent one that Netflix did, or at least like bought, which is not a good movie, but it is like insanely violent. Like no joke. I would, if I had to throw out a number, I would guess like a hundred people die in that film. Like legit. And are just like chopped, like limbs lopped off and you see it. Like a guy gets his head crushed by like a hammer, like a sledgehammer. The girl, like a girl like gets her head chainsawed off it's violent it's incredibly violent it's like and then this when they is did insanely the, gory when they did the remake when was the remake was the remake around 2003 the first remake uh maybe that sounds right 2004 maybe so that mm-hmm. movie's pretty violent but the only thing that like skeeved me out like violence wise in that whole movie is like when he's dragging that one woman into the basement and she breaks her fingernail on the wall like trying to Ooh, trying to grab on yeah. that's the only time like uh, that's the only thing that like freaked me out in that movie finger like injuries like freak me out yeah i will say this uh we well we are we're, we still have movies to watch like this month we haven't watched any we're halfway through the month almost so yeah, at least a third through the month so we need to we need to get we need to get on it but uh the movie we watched it's been a few years since we saw it but one movie we watched, which to this day I still think is like legitimately one of like the most disturbing, like screwed up movies we've seen, is The Witch. I Have seen you seen that? that? Yet. With, no, it's on my to uh, list. 
a much younger Anna Taylor Joy, who obviously has done she's her her Hollywood career has been uh, just it's trended up. She's like a bona fide star now. Today was Jeepers Creepers too because. Um, I don't know if it's a controversial take, but Jeepers Creepers 2 is better than Jeepers Creepers 1. I haven't seen any but the first one. The first one, I actually thought the first half of the movie was legit, like, decent and creepy. Because it's like this this uh, just psycho is chasing this these, like, brother-sister duo in his truck. And he, they stumble upon this guy's lair and it's just like dozens of bodies that he has put on the ceiling it's like weird and bizarre and scary and then the latter half it's like oh this character is actually a demon and he's going to eat you and so they're running from him but it's like ah this was like a really interesting like unique movie and then it turned into like just a a monster movie and it was fine but it wasn't like I wasn't like, uh, well, I was like, yeah, I've seen it. I'll need to see this again. The second one is like, um, these kids are stranded on a bus and he's just picking them off bit by bit. I feel like I've heard that this is actually a decent film. It's, I think it's controversially in a different way. It's cause like the director is like a pedophile. Oh, but... I keep forgetting that was the, was, yeah. was he the director of the first one? He was for, for sure the director of the first one. I don't know if he was director of the second. I think they made a third one, too. You but... know, we, that, that's come up like three different times on this show, and every time you go into it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that is the pedo. Uh, we are, before the end of the month, we do plan to do like a, uh, a horror movie. Uh, I don't think we're doing that next week, but we do, we do, do intend to do that. If you, um, if you... Oh, 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 my goodness. Wikipedia is telling me there's a fourth one. Jeepers yeah. Creepers Reborn. If you oh, like no, a... Victor, Victor Salva did the first three. Oh, God. Um, if you okay. do if you do a Shudder subscription on Amazon, the um, the Creepshow TV show is pretty decent mm-hmm. for like an anthology horror show. <laughs> wow. Like this, Victor Salva did the first three. The when last the fourth one came out in 2022. So like last year. Oh, really? The third came out, the third Jeepers Creepers came out in 2017, and it's like, bro, I know that those allegations against him came out like, like way later, like way earlier than like, uh, 2017, like way it's after. Hollywood, uh, they don't give a shit. Well, half of them are probably doing it. But. Well, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I mean, because I was listening to someone on a show, he was talking about um, it's a Brian Singer that did the X Men movies. Yeah, he's um he he lived in L.A. for a while. I think he does. He's on like the thinking. He, he does stuff with like he does comic stuff. And he was talking about being out there. And when he was like younger, like and he and he's a gay man. But he said like, you know, they people had warned him about Brian Singer even in like the mid 2000s. So, I mean, like that stuff's known. Yeah, I feel like the whole uh like Harvey Weinstein stuff like opened up Pandora's box and a lot of guys got outed and should have been like, it's like insane, but I mean the casting couch, like um, trope existed for a reason. Well, before all that came out too. I, I mean, 
it, it, this is probably more if you have read the book versus the seen the film. But I mean, the Godfather, the film was like I think like seventy was it seventy two or is that Godfather two? Like, I think it was seventy two. I don't think that was sixties. The book was I think like the sixties uh, by Mario Puzo, and there's a whole like scene where with the whole character of, of like the movie producer. God, I forget his name, but like he, it's basically implied in the book because I've read the book. It's implied in the book that the that the film producer would cast actresses and everything, give them like careers if they slept with them, and it's implied in the book that he would do it for for girls as young as like twelve or something yeah. like that. And it's like that's insane, but it's like this shit was written like in the '60s. It's like yeah. This this awfulness has been going on in Hollywood for a long time, oh, like literally decades. I mean, think about like um, oh fuck, what's his name? Fatty Arbuckle is that the guy that like had the whole trial because of what they did to some woman like in a bathtub or something in like the twenties? Yeah, it's uh, it's unclear whether he actually did that or it ruined his else career either way. What? Oh yeah, his career was done either way, and yeah. But I don't know. It's weird. It's uh, if you're squeamish, don't read about it because it's bad. We never uh, finished like the (laughs) final destination. I I will say this. um, I was final destination too. Like that, I feel has traumatized an entire generation. That's the best one. Uh, That's the the log. But that has the whole logs for the penny, right? Yeah, that's the that's the road crash. The road crash logs for those who somehow have never seen this film or never seen the clip. Uh, there's a big road crash. That's what triggers like the final destination aspect of it. A lot of people yeah. die, but one of them is like uh, cars are. Uh, there's a car going behind a a large tractor trailer that's uh, hauling big logs, like trees that have been stripped. They're going to be used for yeah, like lumber, trees, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. And part of the crash is that one of the lo- one of the logs dislodges and basically flies through the car behind it and just obliterates like the people driving it. Yeah. What I find humorous it, about it though is like mm-hmm. is like all those cars just exploding like with a slight oh, gust yeah. of wind because I won't reveal what I do for a living, but let's just say I've been um, I've seen a lot of auto accidents in my day and a lot that are probably as bad as some of the crashes those cars have had mm-hmm. and none of those cars blew up like that <laughs> oh there's there's some uh there's some physics uh there's some license with the physics and everything that like i've is seen play, but i've seen i've seen accidents so bad that it resulted in having to look at you know heads that have are no longer oh, God. attached to do bombs. you have to look at like the the photos of that you know i'll just be honest um <clears throat> I I would rather see a decapitated head than a than burn stuff because oh well yeah well because the I thing is imagine. the thing is I have seen it but like when you see like a picture of a decapitated head it looks fake like your brain just doesn't like comprehend it somehow mm-hmm. but like a burn like burns are just awful like they just gross me out like a head just like oh well that's a decapitated head like it looks like a prop I don't know it, there's something about it that your brain doesn't doesn't um like mm. process properly so it's not that bad but yeah um 
But let's just say cars don't explode like that. But so anyway, yeah. So the, the first log goes through like a cop car and just like totally takes the guy out too. Yeah, like that. That I think it's traumatized people because now every single time, and it's it this happens like randomly. It's like every like two three years this happens. But it's like if I'm driving on the highway for some reason, I'm traveling somewhere, and I'm behind a truck that's hauling something like that, like logs, like big giant like uh like pipes or beams stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, I'm not gonna be. <laughs> I will like literally go to any other lane besides being behind this 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 truck i'm gonna let them go their their destination and i can just like follow on a di- other lane like way behind that one That's has the most hilarious death of all of them though is like where the kid gets blown up by the grill at the end and then his like severed like charred arm like lands right in front of his mom yeah the lulls were just, like, ah! yeah yeah then then well there's a bad so five has a bad one because the five's a bridge collapse and like this guy, like he's one of the characters in there, but he um he's like holding on to the edge, and then this like they're doing like construction, so like the the you know those like those metal things that keep like the asphalt um like hot, so they can mm. like put it down like tips over and like splashes all over him. Mm. And then he just falls to his death. But yeah, that one is kind of gross. But what's well, the one that the ending is like? They're in like a coffee shop, and they're like, "Oh, we survived! Like the final destination, or whatever." And then like a truck like rams them over. Like what? What is that? One? Uh, that might be three. No, I feel like it's later than that. I feel it's like four or five. I don't know. I there's know. one. Which is the one also that maybe it's the same one that has like there's supposed to be like a fire at a movie theater. Oh, I don't remember. I. I, is that the final destination? The final destination is the one where like they're oh, in the last car. It, it is race. the final destination. The final destination is the one that I'm thinking of with like the they get just like trashed in like a cafe, like a, a truck like crashes into them, like killing like two or three of them. That one's that one's not good. That's the worst one. It's is that bad. the one that also has like which is the one that ha- I, they're all blurring together with me. Which is the one that has like they survive uh, like an amusement park crash. That's the third one. Okay. Uh, I, maybe I've seen actually. Maybe I've seen more than I think. So the first one's the, the first one's an, the first one's an airplane. The second one is a car crash. The mm. third one's the the amusement park. The fourth one is the NASCAR race, and the fifth one's a bridge collapse. You know, maybe I've actually seen. Actually, I think I've seen all of them except the, the final, the last one. You should watch collapse. the last one. The last one's actually the second best one, and it's it contends with the second one for being up there. Because they actually put like they put some budget into it, so like the bridge collapse is actually really cool, and it has it has a hilarious death in it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do spoilers, but like so, one of the survivors is like a gymnast. So they're doing this thing and they have all these ways that she she could possibly die. And they're just mm-hmm. teasing it and teasing it and teasing it. And then um, they had this nail she was doing her act around. And then the next woman comes up and does her act. And she's on like the, you know, the, the, the thing where you like the bar where you like do like the flips and stuff with it. Mm-hmm. 
And the other woman steps on the nail and you think she's going to get electrocuted or all this stuff's going to happen. And then she tips this, like that, the, the, the thing with the powder they use for their hands over and it, this fan oh, like, yeah. blows it in her face and she just fall, like flips off the bar and lands on her head and like completely just breaks her neck. Oh, and it's hilarious just because like it took you by surprise, but. I'm looking at a final destination, which is the fourth one. Um, that one has in, they clearly ripped this off like a Snopes.com like meme. Like it was always like an urban legend. Actually, it's not really a meme, but it's like one of the deaths is this guy's like in the pool and he like sits in front of like the, the drain or, and oh yeah, like yeah. It, there's always like this, this urban legend that's like, oh yeah, a guy did this in front of the drain and then it like ripped out his asshole and he died. And it's yeah. like, that's what, that's actually one of the deaths here. Like it disembowels him. Yeah. Uh, but that, as far as I know, never happened. But I remember that. I remember, for some reason, I remember that. I remember two and I remember like that one. Uh, but I, I never saw the fifth one and I vaguely remember like the first two. Uh, well, I'm uh, sorry. Uh, Final Destination One and Final Destination Three. I'm, I've seen those and I vaguely remember those. The fifth one, the fifth one has an awesome ending, like absolutely awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to know what happens, or do you want? I to... don't care. Like okay, I, I just... constantly, I constantly confuse okay, so... of the show, like Damian Gonzalez, about how like I'm, I don't care about spoilers. Like how can you not care about spoilers? I'm like I don't care. Okay, so I'll spoil it. So spoiler alert if you haven't seen Final Destination 5, which is a 10-year-old movie. Mm. But So <laughs> the main character survives, and like his girlfriend survived the original accident, so she wasn't in danger. So they're, mm. they decide they're going to fly to France, and they're on, the, they're on this plane, and you see a date, and then you realize they're on the plane that crashes from the first Final Destination movie. So they don't survive. No. So they talk about how someone like they, they're right after like how that the guy freaks out in the first one and gets them off the plane. They're like, wow, why was that guy like, you know, that guy really freaked out. And then they're like, well, he had some vision about them dying. The guy's like, oh, no. And you see the engine blow. So it was a really clever way to have it end. I thought it was clever. I, I, I thought it was clever and like it was a nice little surprise because you see the date and then like i had just seen them all like i watched them over the all of them over the course of two days and like oh that's the date from the first movie i'm like oh they're on the plane so yeah uh, i i would i'm gonna guess this is not like big prognostication i'm gonna guess that they're gonna make another one i think they're, or at least like they'll reboot it i think it's in the pipeline actually of course it is <laughs> You know what, though? Again, it's as I said before, horror movies make like money, so you can the contra- They've created their own like mini universe, like their uh, like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They've created their own like Conjuring universe, where it's like the Conjuring series is tied to the Nun, which is also tied to Annabelle. And this came out like a few years ago, but it's based on a, a Mexican folk story la llorona the curse of la llorona like that was a horror movie that came out like a few years back i think it did decently they've tied that into like the conjuring universe it's like they have their own franchise i need to watch them i've i've not watched them yet any of the conjurings no that's on my to-do list for that that's my next the, f- 
the first one is actually decent. The second one, I would also say it's pretty decent. And it's, uh, let me look this up. It's based on an actual, like, historic, uh, a legend haunting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they dramatize it because obviously, like, uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren, I don't believe, were, like, significantly involved in that. Uh, oh, the infield poltergeist, that case. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, yeah I know. I know. That, that one. one has moments where it's like i mean and i'm like so desensitized to horror i've seen so much horror that it's like a lot of stuff that some people might find scary like i don't find scary there's very few things that i find like creepy or scary uh it's only but, jump scares to get me i really don't yeah. um i, I there's a couple of moments in conjuring 2 which i think are like legit like creepy or scary because uh, that's the first one that has like the nun uh and there's also it's kind of implied that it's the same entity but i think they wanted to do its own movie with it but there's a there's a there's a character the demonic character called the crooked man like that's that's creepy there's a couple of scenes where he's in that but uh conjuring three is not really good i've heard that's uh it's not good uh we've seen there's like three or four annabelles we've seen for sure two of them and they're okay they're not great but they're okay uh i've seen the we've seen the nun the first one they just did the second one the the nun one is fine it's okay it's not like these films aren't like wasted like waste of your time but it's also like it's also like you they're they're better than it's like okay this this uh low budget horror movie that's on whatever to even for free it's not any minutes it's like Maybe you don't waste your 90 minutes on that because you know it's gonna be terrible. They're but like they're like C plus. Audrey films B are like okay, fair kind of like. Yeah, like they're fine. Like you, I would generally say like you could spend like an hour and a half, two hours on them, and they're decent enough that it's you walk away. It's like eh, that wasn't a waste of my time. It's fine. Like they're not gonna be like I'm gonna watch them 20 times, but they're not a waste of your time. But they make they make money like the con there's no the conjuring universe cinematic universe wouldn't be like a dozen movies deep if they didn't make money and you can make money on like horror films the final destination franchise is like a good example that's well they just released a uh, saw ten yeah which, I, no course, I, 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 I the saw movies aren't my thing I've seen them, but they're not they're not really my thing. I've seen them and I some I have been like that's eh, fine. I don't Damien like, saw I, I don't Damien like saw. um. I don't like movies where like torture and violence are the primary vehicle for the, Saw, the horror. The Saw films kind of edge they're they're played more straight. So they're not as like comedic, but they edge into that whole, whole what I was talking about, like with Freddy or Friday the thirteenth, where it's like, How creative can we get with these deaths? And it's like, how creative can we get with these horrible torture devices that we put people in? It's like doesn't really work for me no, uh I don't. damien damien saw this one and liked it he thought it was like i don't know how to grade it it, it would probably be like more of like a b plus film he thought it was it was actually pretty decent storyline from a storyline perspective it was actually reasonably strong but i'm not really into it like that back in the day like i saw i think they made three films but i saw like the first two hostile films did not like them at all like i it's like it's the whole torture porn thing 
And it's like you're yeah. this is just like gratuitously violent for I don't see the purpose. That was in that era where um in the 2000s where the big takeaway some people had from Scream was violence is like how you do horror and yeah, it wasn't a big it kind of it, I think it played into like the French like <coughs> excuse me. The French shit's really bad. The French like shit's the French... just straight up like indecent like how violent their shit is now. It 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 played into like the whole French like nouveau horror. Um which some of that some of that I would argue is like good, but you have to you have to know what you're getting into. I d I've never there's something about French cinema that I don't get along with. It depends upon I, I think it depends upon the movie you're watching. Um I think a lot of it well at least some of it okay, looking it up, it's called the New French Extremity movement. Some of that I would argue is like decent. Some of it's just like uh, this is like yeah, it's gratuitously violent, I don't get it. Um I feel like it plays it's almost like uh an homage of sorts to uh some of like the Italian uh Giallo directors like uh Lucio Fulci or Dario Argento. Probably more Argento than yeah. than anything. But there's a couple that I think are good. The French extremity films are decent. I would say high tension uh was good, which is a messed up movie. And I would also argue that uh Martyrs, if anyone has ever seen that, is good. But they're both extremely graphic and gory films and it's not for everyone. And they're both pretty disturbing. Yeah, I'm not I'm not into I'm not into like Uber violence. It's not for everyone, and I don't. It's not really my thing either. Like I, again, I've seen a few, and it's like, eh, this is, I don't really care for this. But there's a couple, the ones I just named, I feel are like, uh, eh, this is. It's almost like it, it's it's like you're trying to do something, and it's interesting. I feel it's a certain degree of interesting and compelling. So I would kind of give them like points for that. But it's not for everyone, and I can't fault anyone who's like, uh, eh, I don't like this. Yeah. And we're doing so. Um, if you're listening, we're doing we're doing something wrestling related next week, and then we're doing a double feature two weeks after that of movies. And I don't remember what they are now. We agreed to do two. But I can't. <laughs> we wanted to do so. We wanted to do Tucker. Uh, actually, like for in terms of like horror, it's uh, we're not we're not going extremely violent <laughs> French New Extremity. Um, it's we're gonna do Tucker and Dale versus Evil, which is more of a horror comedy. That's supposed and to be good, right? I've never I've never seen that. I've heard of it. I have never seen it. I've heard positive things about it. One of the main one of the either Tucker or Dale, I don't know who who was who, but is Alan Tudyk, okay. uh, who's been in uh, a Firefly. What else has he been in? Let me look. He's been in a, like a million things. Uh, well, uh, Firefly is like the biggest thing he's been in. I guess he was in Arrested Development. He was in, uh, God, what is like the most famous thing he's been in? I'm trying to read. He's Steve the Pirate. 
is I think what most. Oh yes, yeah, Steve the Pirate. Yes, he was huge. Like people loved him as uh, as Steve the Pirate. He was he's been in like a ton of stuff. He's done like uh, voices for stuff even. Yeah, but most people for some reason Steve the Pirate's like the thing he's known for. Yeah, he's uh, cause he's fifty two now. He's been in a bunch of stuff. You, if you see his face, like you would know him. Yeah. And he's he's pretty popular. But he that I've heard good things about the movie. It's uh, it's almost like uh, a, it's a loving almost parody of slasher films because the premise is that Tucker and Dale actually they're not they, the 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 name of the film is Tucker and Dale. Is it Tucker and Dale? Oh, it's Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Yeah. So the premise is that it's like a group of like teens, like the stereotypical slasher scenario where it's like a group of like young kids, uh, and they go they go on they go camping and they they somehow meet up or run afoul of like Tucker and Dale, but Tucker and Dale are actually like completely normal people. They're just just rednecks, and the the young kids like have this idea that they're like slasher serial killers and oh, some sort of like okay yeah so some... i i looked at what the other one was i forgot we we're doing like the classic of all horror movies the, the other movie that i want i actually threw this out there and like the one i wanted to do is monster squad from the 80s which is like a total uh, cult classic and Dude, it's you not the wolfman in the nards wolfman's got nards <laughs> it's it's almost like a comedy it's actually it's almost like a kid's movie it, it kind of is because like i watched this a million times as a kid it's um it's probably the most accessible horror movie like if i was actually going to start someone like a a teenager on horror movies i'd probably start them on monster squad like it's we watched my wife and i watched that like two or three years ago because i'm like we got to watch this film like i should love this film as a, as a kid and i I can't recall if she said she she saw it when she was younger, but she watched it and she was like, "Oh, that's really cute." It's like it's it's board as I said, Wednesday is like borderline wholesome. This isn't wholesome. Like it, this actually like if you actually pay attention to it, there's some like horrific, there's some like horrific elements to it, but it's it's actually like I I find it very endearing and I have like a special place in my heart for it. And it's I actually feel like a pretty decent film. It's so kind I'm of excited. a cult classic because it failed when it came out, but I think it's found its home later. In oh the... yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, it definitely has become like a cult classic in the uh, the thirty something years that it, thirty plus years probably that it came out. Yep. Well, that is it for uh, this week. Uh, we kind of hit all over the planet this week, as Matt and I tend to do when it's us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, it just meandering everywhere. Yeah. We did we did pretty good this time. We didn't end up uh, crapping on Star Wars, so I think we mm. did. We did well. No, I wanted to. I, I wanted to get we crapped into, on like... Marvel. We crapped on Marvel. Okay, so we we did avoid Star Wars for once. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, next week we will be doing something wrestling related, and then there will be the Dale and Tucker vs Evil and Monster Squad after that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, this has been the Four Corners podcast. I don't remember how Shad says that. I think. We've been in two corners, and you've been in the third or fourth, and that will be it for this we'll week. Pretend that, we'll pretend that Shad's in the third, yeah. just si- not talking. Unable to speak from disease. Yeah. 
Okay, well, that is it. Thanks for listening as always, and we will see you next time.